One day, you'll tell the story of autocrats, crooks, and kings who came for our freedom. A story of citizens who stood up to tyranny and won. The people prevailed and renewed an old vow to a more perfect union. And that was just the beginning. The story continues. Narrative. Where truth lives. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Narrative Live. It's a unusual show tonight because normally my partner in crime, Eric Garland, is here. He isn't here today. He's not feeling too well. So I'm going to try to do this by myself. It's a little complicated because we do write the show for two people. So later on, we're going to have part four of our very exciting series called The Dragon's Tale, where we've been looking at the untold story of China's war against American democracy. And you'll remember in episode one, we dealt with the nanny in the Trump Jared Kushner household, where they had a Chinese national as a nanny apparently installed there by Wendy Deng Murdoch. In the second episode, we looked at Rupert Murdoch and his relationship with Jared Kushner and asked whether there was a little bit of back dealing involving Kushner's private property business and Rupert Murdoch and whether Rupert Murdoch himself might be a asset of the Chinese state. And in the third episode, we looked at Chinese involvement in the Christian nationalist movements, and especially around Michael Flynn, and discovered an enormous amount of connectivity there. If you haven't seen that episode, it's really worth seeing. So tonight, we're going to be looking at what's central character in all of this is Guo Wengi, solid business partner of none other than Steve Bannon. Together, they've created a lot of mischief in America over the last few years. And we'll explain exactly how they got to meet each other and what they did to get themselves into this position where they are both either involved in prosecutions or being prosecuted. That's coming up in The Dragon's Tale. Let me talk a little bit about what's going on in the news, because it is interesting that we've had two developments in the last few days involving Saudi Arabia and Vladimir Putin. And you remember that incredible high five that Vladimir Putin and MBS had at the G20 a few years ago in Argentina. It was really caught everyone's eye and led me to a big investigation around the Salvatore Mundi. Just before the weekend, we found out that OPEC was going to be reducing its oil supplies by cutting the amount of uh, oil barrels that they were producing on a regular basis. And of course, this tremendously upset the Biden White House, who have been working very hard to not only keep oil prices down, but also keep inflation and prices down in general. It turns out that MBS has gone a bit rogue. A few weeks ago, we discussed how Biden's visit to Saudi Arabia had appeared to put Mohammed bin Salman on America's side again. In fact, it seemed to us that MBS was involved in that really well-executed prison exchange involving Ukraine. And it also appeared to us like he'd committed to Vladimir Zelensky that he was going to be a much more willing and supportive partner going forward, including on energy and, and other matters. Now, in just a matter of weeks, it seems he's changed his mind, and we can't be sure if that's because he's had conversations with Vladimir Putin or had conversations with Xi Jinping in Beijing. But either way, 
he and the Russian president have agreed to cut oil supplies because they're, of course, the two major nations now in OPEC, which controls the oil prices and supply around the world. This is not good news for America. It's not good news for inflation. It certainly has created a appearance, at least, of a real break in our relationships with Saudi Arabia. The chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee, Bob Menendez, was out saying earlier on that he believes that it's time for us to completely readjust what we do with Saudi Arabia, especially their support of their various wars, but also just providing them the enormous amount of defense that America supplies them on a regular basis. You recall that the Trump administration concluded a weapons deal with MBS that could be in jeopardy right now. It looks to me like the support for American troops in the area, support for the defenses of Saudi Arabia could be completely withdrawn in the next couple of months if this continues to be a borne out situation where we have Mohammed bin Salman and Vladimir Putin and others conspiring to increase the prices of Americans' lives. This is not just about oil, it's about inflation, it's about the prices of everyday items that you and I consume. And it also occurs to me that all of this is happening right around the time of the elections. So this could be very much an election ploy, or as we like to say in the old days, October surprise. Because as it's always happened in October, there's always some shocking thing that happens that really readjusts the, the election game, readjusts the election campaigns. And here we are, Mohammed bin Salman, just weeks before the November elections, surprising everyone with this increase in oil prices and cut in production of oil. At the same time, Vladimir Putin is having his own October surprise for the Americans by ramping up efforts in Ukraine and not only threatening a nuclear war, which is what he's been doing in the recent days, but unleashing a barrage of missiles on Ukraine today against civilian targets in Ukraine, very unusual for them to be doing something like that, and doing it with enormous ferocity and indiscriminately, using these drones as well from the Iranians. So it's also potentially another October surprise. And I just want to caution everyone before everyone gets too freaked out about what does it mean, the next step after missile strikes because they're going to be running out of supplies, they're going to be running out of troops, running out of missiles. Everyone's going to be quite worried about a nuclear strike and a potential nuclear war. And wouldn't that be something to impact the American elections, especially when you've got someone like Donald Trump running around saying that he's the guy who can solve World War III and end World War III. Why? Because he's friends, in fact, in cahoots with all these same dictators and wants to turn America into a dictatorship, which is why he could end the World War III premise. So he's been saying that, and at the same time, you've got Vladimir Putin ramping up this, these efforts, whether it's the missile strikes and this nuclear talk, and could be setting the stage for just in the weeks leading up to the election, we might be running up this hill and finding ourselves in a pitched Cuban missile crisis kind of situation where you've got missiles armed and dangerous and pointing at each other in the last weeks of the election campaign and Donald Trump in the background saying, I could fix this. I know Putin. I know all these guys. We could end World War III now. World War III is not on the brink of happening. I just don't believe that's in the interest of anybody. So it's not likely to happen. I'm not saying that they, everything up to a World War won't happen because it does seem to me like we're going to see a certain ramping up of tensions in Ukraine, even more indiscriminate attacks on civilian facilities and infrastructure, but also this potential raising of a nuclear weapon, which would mean deploying a strategic nuclear weapon into Ukraine. In other words, firing nuclear missile. There's no other way to describe these things. People like to parse the difference between 
a strategic or a tactical nuclear weapon. It really doesn't matter. A nuclear weapon is a nuclear weapon. We haven't had one go off in the civilian area for a long time. It's not something we would encourage any country to do. And it's certainly not something that's in the interest of Ukraine or Russia, certainly not in the interest of Ukraine. And one would hope that there'd be sober minds in the Kremlin and advising Putin not to do it. What is going on? Is it just an October surprise? Are we just waiting to see if these two nations, Saudi Arabia and Vladimir Putin, can in fact impact the elections by giving the Republicans a bit of a boost? It seems to me that that's what we're looking at. We're looking at an attempt by the foreign governments of Russia and of Saudi Arabia to support their allies in the GOP. Now, this is not legal. The GOP should not be encouraging this if they are in the background. But let's face it, it's an open secret now that the Republican Party has been bought and paid for by these foreign dictators. And what we're looking at is just another attempt by the Republican partners to maneuver and change the election results from the outside by changing the pricing of our oil, changing the pricing of living in the United States, and also having this a sword of Damocles hanging over all of us with the potential World War III. It's an October surprise, it appears to me. Now, it may not be. I might be wrong. I'm not saying don't prepare yourself. There might be a, a nuclear confrontation coming up. That might, in fact, happen. That's what extent it happens and whether it escalates to World War III, I, I wouldn't hazard a guess, but I'd suggest we should always be prepared. But in this case, to me, it seems like what we're seeing is foreign meddling in American elections on behalf of the Republican Party and their oil supply partners, Russia and Saudi Arabia, in order to give the GOP a bit of a boost in their elections. Because as, as it stands right now, the GOP is not doing as well as they had predicted. They had expected to be as many as 40 seats up by this time in the election campaigns. And they're basically just about 1% ahead of the Democrats in the House. What this means is that Democrats have a golden opportunity to really win the House and the Senate. It's finally here. That opportunity that people have been waiting for so long, the turning around of decades, historical records, and actually in the midterm elections, imagine if the Democrats were able to win the House and the Senate, still be in the presidency, and how much brilliant and amazing change would come to America. Because finally, in control of those houses, a policy framework is being built on supporting people in the middle class, bringing down costs, helping people access medicine and healthcare, normalizing the situation around the world so dictators can't have such an influence over American elections, adjusting the way we handle taxation in the United States so the rich pay their equal measure. There is so much that needs to be done. And uh, this is exactly the kind of thing that you can do if you have the Senate and the House and you have a presidency. So much more of the Biden agenda can be pushed through and so much more of a sensible American agenda can be pushed through. And it means that these guys will have less of an opportunity in the future to mess with our elections. So that's, uh, that's in the news today. It does include, as they're saying on the chats now, healthcare for all indeed and a whole lot more. So Putin's, but someone on the chat is saying Putin is coming to an end. In fact, he is. But I'm not sure that he's actually the entire instigator behind all of this. And who knows if he'll be around for that much longer. But he's sort of rational, believe it or not. I believe he's rational. He's not going to do something that's stupid and just start a nuclear war that would mean his destruction. On the other hand, I think that Xi is not acting as rationally. I think Xi has a very big agenda ahead of him and wants to rule the world. I think that's basically what the Chinese are after. So any attempt by his proxy nations in Saudi Arabia and the UAE, 
and in Israel and other countries, certainly in Russia, to not follow Xi's requests is going to be viewed not very well. And that is why I worry a lot more about the state of the world and World War III is because of Xi's moves around the world. But he, the proxy nations, as they're doing what they're doing, I don't believe they are as invested as China is in what may be coming next. Someone's asking if I have a U.S. citizenship. Very nicely done. I love the trolls. Lately, there's been a lot more. The more accurate I get about things, the more trolling I get. I noticed as well that Tulsi Gabbard has finally quit the Democratic Party. Talk about something that I called out first ahead of everybody else in 2019. Really proud of the fact that I pointed to her connections to the Russians. And over the next few years was proven absolutely correct that Tulsi Gabbard was nothing more than a shill for the Russians and for conservative lobby groups. She's gone. Others are still there. And clearly the trolls that are in our chat room and on Twitter and everywhere else continue their march against me. Let me just say, I survived Tulsi. I'm still here. And I do not, by the way, have a U.S. citizenship, but I have a U.S. green card, which makes me a U.S. person. And just as a world citizen, I'm glad to be able to support democracy wherever it exists, because that's what a narrative is all about. We started narrative when I was in the U.S. to be a U.S. guardian of democracy. We had no idea this was going to be such a big thing that would last me the next six years. I've literally gone gray and lost a lot of my hair doing this because the narrative is about democracy. Narrative is about protecting the rights of people to vote and, and participate in elections. And he's definitely against the, the attack on democracy, which we all experienced in 2016 and the war waged right now by the enemies of democracy, including these two people, Vladimir Putin and Mohammed bin Salman at the behest of Xi Jinping. So that is who I am. It's all who I am. I moved back here, by the way, out of because of COVID and elderly parents and a bunch of other things that happened. And uh, I haven't moved back because it's just been one of these whirlwind periods of time. Thank you for that question. I'm not offended, but I just am so tired of people questioning my bona fides when clearly I spent six years doing nothing but fighting for democracy. And anyone who has any view of me doing anything else, it's just complete nonsense. It's all told through my reporting. You can see exactly what my reporting is all about. It never wavers. And it's always about supporting democracy and finding out where the corruption is that brings us so much damage to America and so much damage to our ability to survive in the future years because of these attacks by these dictators. All right, without further ado, is part four of The Dragon's Tale. Many of you will remember the time when Steve Bannon was arrested on board Guao Wengi's big yacht because he was involved in that scandal, the Build the Wall Foundation, which was intending to raise money so that they could build the wall themselves after then-President Trump's Build the Wall campaign inside Washington failed. They decided to take it into their own hands. That thing turned out to be a $2 million corruption scandal involving Steve Bannon. That's why he's facing charges now in New York City and a civilian lawsuit. Now, why was he on Guao's boat? I'll explain to you that basically both of them were in cahoots together in the last few years and may still be agents and assets of the Chinese state. The truth of it is, Steve Bannon has not only been a Chinese asset since he left the White House, where he was a senior advisor to President Trump, he was a Chinese asset inside the White House, and he was a Chinese asset when he was running the campaign for Donald Trump that eventually got him elected as the 45th president. So 
we know about Guao, we know about Steve Bannon, we know about the yacht. What are you telling us that's new? Well, here's another thing that happened aboard that famous yacht of Guao Wing. Here's Steve Bannon. Take a look at this. I want to thank uh, all of the English-speaking audience for the next 18 hours. We will be commemorating the honored dead of Tiananmen with a live broadcast starting at dawn in Beijing and going all the way till midnight in Beijing time. So the next 18 hours, Miles Guo, the entire G-Media, GTV uh, staff will be here throughout the world and we'll be broadcasting from Japan, Taiwan, everywhere throughout the world. I want to thank our audience. I'm very honored to be head of the Rule of Law Society and uh, have been focused the last couple of years on the whistleblowing movement. It's a great honor to work for the freedom of the Chinese people and to know today that the new federal state of China is being announced by the Himalaya Society, the Himalaya Organization, to actually confront, combat, and eventually take down the CCP. The CCP is a gangster organization. They do not deserve to continue to be able to keep the Chinese people in slavery. And I want to thank all the English-speaking people throughout the world as I'll be around for the next 18 hours to give analysis, assessment, and commentary of exactly what's happening. I want to thank Miles Guo and everybody associated with the whistleblower movement, everybody associated with the Rule of Law Society, everybody that is working every day to free the Chinese people. Now, in our great city, the greatest city in the world, New York City, tonight, we're actually under an 8 o'clock curfew in the major part of New York City. And this is to show you that even freedom is tough every day. You have to fight every day for freedom. You have to fight every day for freedom. You have to live up to the ideals of freedom. And we in the United States understand that. That's why it's a struggle every day, but we try to do it in a very imperfect world. Freedom's not perfect, liberty's not perfect, but it's better than the totalitarian dictatorship that's run by the Chinese Communist Party. Steve Bannon continues to spout all this crazy stuff about uh, this new federation of China that he and Guawingi launched on the 4th of June, 2020. It's a really dramatic campaign, by the way. They were declaring the new federal state of China. And that night when they did their 18 hours of broadcasting, can you imagine watching Steve Bannon for 18 hours? After they did this, the very end of it, Guao actually signs the Declaration of Independence, whatever it was, of the new federal state of China. He signs it with his own blood, of all things. And then there were these flashes of lightning or clap of thunder, as the Chinese press like to tell us, at the Statue of Liberty, which, hey, look, it's right over their shoulder, the Statue of Liberty. They probably created some sort of light effect show or fireworks show around the Statue of Liberty, which is why they were on the scene there during that day. They were trying to dramatize this new federal state of China, this new organization that Guao Wengi and Steve Bannon had concocted by themselves. But by the end of the following day, so this is by the 5th of June, the phrase new federal state of China, they were able to gain 52,000 mentions on Twitter alone. It wasn't because just of bot armies or trolls or anything like that. It was because of 
this sprawling global network that Guao and Bannon had developed. They found a way to amplify messages across Twitter through real people. And it's all done for the Beijing government. We often say Steve Bannon is in cahoots with Guao Wengi and leave it there. But I wanted to know for sure. I didn't want to just go out there and say, here's Steve Bannon and Guao Wengi that they work together. His contract with Guao is coming up. But first, a little bit about Guo Wengi. He's also known as Miles Kwok, Kwok Ho Wan, Guo Huan, and Miles Guo. So you take your pick. We go with Guo Wengi. He controls an influence network of media figures, of content creators, of publishing platforms, social media accounts, nonprofit brands, financial schemes, faux government in exile, all under the guise of this global social movement. And behind the scenes of all of that, they do these Discord groups where they coordinate all these social media messaging, basically amplifying MAGA, amplifying QAnon, amplifying all these crazy things we heard during COVID about vaccines. And that's how these messages get traction, especially amongst the right wing. They call themselves ants, these people who do this amplification. Supposedly, Guawengi's whole thing is that he's a... Communist Party dissident, basically, is that he fled the Republic of China because he had been targeted by police there with false accusations, as many as 19 crimes, including rape and money laundering and you name it. He arrived here in 2014 and began a series of Twitter channels and YouTube channels where he was really critical of the Communist Party of China. By the time January 2017 came around, he had met Steve Bannon. And by the end of 2017, they started working together. And suddenly this movement, which had been a relatively small anti-CPP campaign, became a really big deal. It became a massive network of centrally coordinated media figures, outlets, you name it. If you look at the whole list of, of companies that this guy launched during this time, it's quite impressive. And suddenly there was an operation the Chinese had to amplify messaging across the United States not only amplified from the outside, but actually inside the United States, even though the message might be controlled externally. Here was Guo Wengi and Steve Bannon controlling the message domestically and then distributing it around. It's a bit of a difference. I and mean, it certainly makes understand how the power of proxies. Bannon is, of course, a proxy for China. And when he's out there speaking, he does so with China's backing. But because he's aware of the situation in this country. And because he's aware of everything that's happening in the political arena, he's able to fine-tune messaging in a way that would be really hard to do from Beijing. But he can do it based in New York City. As he was describing there, the terrible restrictions of New York and comparing them to China. It's quite laughable when you think about it. But Wengi is quite a fascinating figure himself. His capacity for starting companies. There are 30 or so entities. The big overarching umbrella companies called Sarica Media Group. And underneath it, you see there's a bunch of these G News groups. So these are news outlets that provide news coverage on social media, websites, and other publications. You have GTV, which is a sort of a TV station, which runs anti-CPP content. And all of it is under the umbrella of another holding company called G Media. Then you also heard Bannon talking there about the whistleblower movement. The whistleblower movement is created to help dissidents in China who are trying to get information outside of China or trying to escape China, or it's a great way to bring dissidents into the United States that then they can use to be helpful to them in their support of China and against the United States. So that's a whistleblower movement. The new federal state of China is something that's come up on the show before. 
This is an entity that Guao set up. It has amongst its members people like Rudy Giuliani, Michael Flynn, and Mike Lindell. The Rule of Law Society is one of these other not-for-profit organizations that actually helps fund the new federal state of China. And you see the name Li Mingyang. She is a researcher that was brought from communist China to the United States. And she apparently was one of the researchers who said that figured out how COVID had begun. And then she said she was told not to report that by the Chinese government. So Bannon and Guao brought her from China to the United States, where she appeared on Fox News, including Tucker Carlson, but also on many of the War Room episodes that Bannon hosts. Li Minyang was on that show 22 times. So fairly complex group of companies that he's got there. Let me show you what it looks like when you see the entire network of Guao empire here. Boy, is there a lot going on here. You'll see that under the GTV Media Group, which I just explained to you about, there's the, to the side of that, there's the new federal state of China, and then there's G News. And then underneath that, you'll see what is called the Himalayan Supervisory Organization and the Himalaya Federal Reserve. These are interesting ways for intelligence operations to get different cells into a country. So what they've done, instead of calling them cells, they call them farms. And on each of these farms, people who donate money to the Rule of Law Society or any of these other societies can become members of these farms. And each of these Farms has the specific model of execution that they have to go through. So in other words, if you're a member of Himalayan farm in Australia, you'll get messaging probably supportive of whatever efforts China has in Australia. And then you'll be instructed to just retransmit those on your social media. So there's blind amplification. Ants is right because they don't really think for themselves. They're encouraged not to question any of the stuff that's been sent to them. They're just told... When we send it to you, trust us that it's the right messaging and resend it out to your supporters. So even though there's been good efforts to try and control the bots and the trolling on Twitter, these are real people who belong in these farms. This is actual folks. You, me, anybody else could be one of those people. They obviously have an agenda and some of them receive payment for it. Others are offered asylum or some sort of move to the United States. I'm not sure how they're offered that and whether that ever happens. Here then is the contract I was talking about. So this is a million dollar contract that Steve Bannon was paid by Guao Wengi. Million dollars for one year's work. Must be nice. $250,000 was paid up front. It goes on to explain the details and it's a typical uh, sort of media contract. I've seen these a lot in my old life as a media person. It's quite interesting. It shows us that Guao and Bannon had a real business arrangement. This is not something that they were just associating with or hung out with, or maybe their best pals who like to watch soccer and on or football, as you might call it. No, this is a million dollar a year business arrangement that made Steve Bannon, Guao Wengi's broadcast arm, basically, in the United States. And that means that Bannon was working for the Chinese to basically send out Chinese propaganda about things like COVID, against the vaccines. This was decidedly there to increase tension, to grow polarization, to hurt democratic causes and to allow Donald Trump the room to do some damage to America, which he, of course, did in those years. This is not some guy running an independent operation like I am, because I'll tell you, the limits of running an independent operation did not give you the kind of breadth that Steve Bannon and Guao Wengi have. It's clearly very well-designed, well-thought-out campaign to change the way Americans think about vaccines, literally causing the death of people in the United States, people who believed that they shouldn't take the vaccine because of this propaganda, they land up, many of them getting COVID, many of them died. 
So Guawengi and his operation at G Media put out these inflammatory ads, these inflammatory pamphlets, sent them out to people in an attempt to really do a lot of damage to America. It started out as a organization that was meant to be an anti-communist party of China. Instead, it quickly became an anti-democratic party. And rather than involving itself in things that happened in China, it was reporting about things that happened in the United States and then amplifying that to the American movement. And so you could see what happened here. This is from Graphica, the company did a lot of research into this. This is the QAnon network map on the left, and then the community of Trump supporters who were sharing that content from G News in 2020. So you've got QAnon supporters on the left there within the GOP, Got on the right there, how many of them were sharing G News content. So that tells you exactly how powerful this network was in indoctrinating people from the GOP into QAnon. When you think about the mindset of Republican Americans, I know there's always a disheartening thing where you're like, oh, these guys are, you know, they either lost their minds or they're members of cults or you name it. But it's important to remember that they have been targeted by foreign influence operations. And this is proof that this was a foreign influence operation run by a Chinese super spy and Steve Bannon to send out all this foreign disinformation into American mind. And of course, if you're bombarded by all of this in social media and elsewhere, accept some of this at least to be true or raise enough suspicion in your mind that you might have some cause in supporting Joe Biden or any Democrat for that matter. So this is such a critical piece of it. In episode two of The Dragon's Tale, we spoke about Fox News. And in episode three, we spoke about Fox News and Rupert Murdoch and how those organizations really became mouthpieces for a lot of this Chinese propaganda because of Rupert Murdoch's past with his ex-wife, Wendy Deng Murdoch, who is also a Chinese super spy. We have got two super spies, Guo Wengi and Wendy Deng Murdoch, both involved in a, in sending out Chinese propaganda and setting up a Chinese network at the White House, informing in America's public opinion. And it's all coordinated through Beijing, through Chinese Ministry of Security over there. I say this because it's really critical that we not only realize that red state Republican supporters of MAGA have also been victims of indoctrination, and that they're not just all completely crazy extremists, not all of them. Some of them might be crazy extremists, but some of them are just people who bought into the propaganda. You may know some in your family. You may know some of your relatives. I've certainly heard the stories of so many people who said to me, my sister or my brother or my cousin, we lost them. And they use the words lost like they've been dead. And it really, they lose them to this like indoctrination. And remember, you had Steve Bannon, who does not look like he's a Chinese guy at all, fronting this in the United States. You had Michael Flynn, the former uh, administration national security advisor out there indoctrinating people. These are people that, you know, you trust. You just naturally trust them because, A, they are, in one case, a former American hero turned disgraced, of course, but at that time was a former American hero. And Steve Bannon, he was the senior advisor to the president of the United States. You, you don't expect these guys to be lying to you. Just a couple more examples of how all of this rolled out in social media. This is QAnon. There's another GTV ant, if you would call them that. This guy has all the all for one, one for all QAnon details listed in his about section there. There's also takedown CCP. Here's them advocating for hydroxychloroquine. You remember that was another one of the president's favorite things. You remember there was even a Fox News host involved in that hydroxychloroquine push to 
make sure it's available for COVID, which of course it was never made available for COVID because it didn't do anything. This campaign being started and given airtime on GTV, on G Media, but then amplified through all these media and farms. And then you, what you land up with at the end of the day is lots of questions in the marketplace around vaccines and around what the best treatments are for COVID. Finally, here's a look at what they did for January the 6th. I mean, there's just endless uh, references here to how Trump should have won the elections, a lot of it's tied into QAnon, all of it coming out of China, all of it going through Steve Bannon and Guao Wengi's G operation. I will say that all of this sounds a little bit like Epoch Times and NTD and a little bit when you think about those two operations, a lot of you get Epoch Times as a newspaper. You think it's Falun Gong. You think that it's anti-CPP. But in reality, inside the Epoch Times, inside NTD, inside One American News, which is a different venture by a different side of the Russian-Chinese operation, they've just become propagandists, really, for the Chinese government. And to great effect, you've seen what happened to our country in 2016. And it's still a battle we're fighting. I have no doubt that the Biden administration has their hands on all of this and they will succeed at the end of the day. And we will succeed in defeating this enemy. But right now, the only way we have to defeat it is by having shows like this, by having as many people talk about this as possible. We hope as we roll out some of this content that you do the same. When people challenge you about vaccines or January the 6th or all these other things, you know now that uh, there is a Chinese operation. There's proof of how they push these agenda items about vaccines, about COVID, about January the 6th. They wanted America divided and polarized. Then they could take advantage of the situation and do other things on the world stage. Thank you for watching Narrative. We really do appreciate all our patrons because we get funded exclusively by our patrons. So if you are able, go to patreon.com forward slash narrative. Your money will be well spent on ensuring that great content makes it on the air, that holds politicians accountable, and that ultimately protects democracy. Every minute of Narrative's reporting Every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives. One day you'll tell the story of autocrats, crooks, and kings who came for our freedom. A story of citizens who stood up to tyranny and won. The people prevailed and renewed an old vow to a more perfect union. And that was just the beginning. The story continues. Narrative, where truth lives.